Purchase a Ford Fan Zone all-you-can-eat ticket to an upcoming jazz game and receive unlimited hot dogs, <coughs> soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream, starting as low as $30 per ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or call 325-2999 to buy your Ford Fan Zone all-you-can-eat tickets now. Lincoln Kennedy going to join us here momentarily, our Pac-12 analyst and Raider analyst. Feel like you got the handle on the Pac-12 now? It's pretty much all laid out in front of you. I don't know that I can say to what degree of certainty. I mean, I think Utah is, is just a slam dunk, obviously, to uh, represent the South. Uh, and, and I expect Oregon to do that also, but I'm not guaranteeing it. I, I feel less certain about them, but they've been playing well enough, and that's all you need to do is play well enough. Lincoln Kennedy, Raider Radio Analyst, Pac-12 Network Analyst, joins us now on the Smart Rain Guest Line. Best of State Award winner, Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain has given free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Lincoln, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you today? Good we got Ute fans who can see the Pac-12 title game. It is so close now. Their magic number is two, and they got Arizona and Colorado on their schedule. And ASU might lose a game along the way. So it's easy to see what Ute fans are thinking in the south. Over in the north, though, there's a big game with Oregon coming up a week from Saturday for the Utes. But is Oregon still going to be in first place? Because if Washington State beats them this week, the Cougars take it over. Got any thoughts on that game? <laughs> You know what? Here's the thing. As many times as I've said Washington State uh, doesn't look like a, they, they belong, they, it's a way to surprise me and, and put themselves in contention. But, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a little joke out there. I find I think the, 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 the Cougars are going to find a way to cook it when it's all said and done and mess it up. <laughs> yeah, you look at what's going on there. Uh, in, in the conference, it's really crazy. The Devils this week will play a team that has an interim coach for the third consecutive game. I don't know if that's ever been done because uh, obviously you had SC, Washington State, and now with the situation at Washington, Jimmy Lake. You're a Washington alum, so I know the program is dear to you. Uh, I thought Lake was just going to hit the ground running. He reminded me, I said this on the air the other day, he reminded me of Mel Tucker. When I looked at Mel Tucker's resume when he took over at Colorado, I remember telling him this at Pac-12 Media Day because we go down and broadcast. It's like, well, what took so long? You know, it, clearly, you've done everything that you needed to do to get a head coaching position, and he was only at Colorado for a year and is now doing great work over there at Michigan State, and we'll see what happens going forward. And I felt the same way with Jimmy Lake. Like, all right, you're ready for this. This is something that you've earned the right to get. And it's not turning out, and, and he's suspended for smacking a player and all that, and there's all sorts of rumors that he's done and the buyout. Uh, I think when some quarterback, was it you, Millen, or somebody? I can't remember. Went on Seattle Radio mm-hmm. and said that uh, a buyout is underway. What do you make of all that? Mm-hmm. Just a big mess. Um, I'm, I'm pretty close with uh, Jennifer Cohen, the athletic director, and you know I kind of feel sorry for the program because – Peterson uh, sort of anointed and, and promoted uh, Lake to, to the position of head coach after he stepped down. Um, there were a lot of people, including myself, thinking, that, well, it's in good hands. I mean, you look what he's seen. He's done with yeah. the defense. Yeah. They, they've seen solid stuff like that. But it just hasn't It hasn't really taken a hold. I, I know the, the young men in the program love him. I know the guys and the kids love him. 
Um, I've heard nothing but great things. But, you know, this season was was not to be what expected. There was inconsistencies on, on, on you know, particularly on all sides of the ball. And then, of course, you know, firing your offensive coordinator and trying to move along with them um, just kind of added on top of, you know, the whole thing about him shoving a player and, and I'm being called on national television. So it's just a mess. I don't know how you get a hold of it. But the thing is that Washington, as you guys know, is, is too big of a program to let it slide for long. I don't think it's going to be down for long, but they've got to make some, uh, they've got to make some hard choices. And I really don't know what the future is for Lake, to be honest with you. I don't know if he's going to stay or if he's going to go, if they're going to buy him out. But I do know this, that from what I've seen around the, the conference especially, Washington has got to get in line with this NIL stuff that's going on, and they've got to find a way to get the premier recruits because the other schools like Nike U, like Oregon, and stuff like that are, are doing it. And, you know, they've got, you know, for their guy, for, for Thibodeau, you talk about all the stuff that he's got going on. People and kids are seeing that. And this is something that has to happen if you're going to compete. You can sit there and say what you want about academic standards and everything else. You can hold true to that. But you're going to start losing a lot more recruits to these surrounding schools because they're doing it and you're not. So obviously, uh, everybody with an opening, Washington if they have one, USC has one, maybe UCLA one day, would want Chris Peterson. Do you think he's done, done, really done, or is he the guy who takes a little time off and at some point pops up somewhere down the line? You know, when I saw Coach Pete, when was it? Um, It was right before COVID happened. I saw him in Las Vegas at an event. And I just asked him straight up. I was like, you know, what, why'd you step down? You were doing so well. He, he was physically and mentally exhausted. You could see it in his face. He told me straight up, he's like, you know, I, I just want a chance to enjoy life. I've coached for so long. I've done so many things that I want to enjoy life. And I believed him. But I do know this. Just like with other coaches or other people we've seen, that bug comes back to bite you one way or the other, whether you want to get back out there. I don't know to what extent. I don't think he ever coaches again, guys. That's just my personal feeling. But I know there might be an extent where he has to be around football. Maybe as an athletic director or some sort of, you know, liaison or something like that. But I just don't know if he's gone forever. What do you think about a program playing New Mexico State this late in the season this week? It kind of stinks. They're doing the same thing that the, that the the other schools do. You know, Alabama will play Troy between Auburn and, and LSU or something like that. And um, it, I, I can't stand it. I'm, I'm, I'm still one of those guys that thinks Power 5 schools should play Power 5 schools all the time and not sit there and, and try to play the schedule game where you schedule a bye or something like that late in the season or, or a cupcake. Um, but I, 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 don't really, I really don't like it uh, when you think about it. And then I wish, I'm hoping that someday it's going to change. I wouldn't mind if they played group of five, if they played good group of five, but you schedule New Mexico State, so there's no chance you accidentally yeah. play a good group of five team. And now Alabama's favored by 51.5 points, which seems like a gigantic yeah. waste of time for everybody. It is. It really is. And it's, it's one of those things where, you know, as long as they let them do it, it's going to happen. And, and Alabama's notoriously done it for quite some time. That's why, to me, that whole conference is so top-heavy because they don't have to go through the gauntlet like the Pac-12 does where you have to play nine, uh, nine games. And any given day, you can see somebody get upset or beat. Um, you know, you got schedules like that that make it favorable for you to coast through until you need somebody to, you know, in the bowl game or towards the end of the season. A lot of people around here, they, they're a little bit skeptical of the Utes. You know, it's a little bit of Charlie Brown and Lucy pulling the ball back. 
It is either <laughs> they had the issues in November, then they cleared them up in November, and then they went into December. Uh, you know, at the at the title game there, they lost a couple of those games. They're this close to the Rose Bowl, and it looks like right now that they're going to get Oregon. They got them next week, obviously at home, and then it looks like they're going to get them that first week in Vegas. Uh, I think this is their best chance since they've been in the conference to go to the Rose Bowl. I think things are working for them, and not not in a mysterious way. Maybe a little bit. Uh, maybe they got some other thing going on, uh, some kind of power. But I think that the team has really come together. And so I believe that uh, that it's basically a a wash or try to pick them, I guess you'd call it, between Oregon and Utah when we get to that point. How do you see it? Well, I, I mean, I loved Utah for a while. I loved Devin Lloyd and, and the way the defense has played. Um, I've just been impressed, especially what they did to Stanford. I mean, that was a real beatdown. Um, and then I think the same thing is going to happen this this week when they play Arizona. I'm actually doing that game with Pac-12 Network, Bronx and Bernstein, so I'll get another chance to see them up close. I think this is I agree with you. I think this is Utah's best chance to make a strong run for a Pac-12 championship. Um, I'm I'm not all as in, as equally impressed with Oregon. I haven't been all year. I said they were just they've got been fortunate, but they you know Oregon's found themselves a, a place to win. And I'm you know to be honest, I'm a little mixed about it because though. They're the Ducks, and I hate the Ducks, and I'm a dog. Um, but the, the the fact is that I want somebody to be a a, a part of the the playoff football playoff, right? And it's it's Oregon who has the best chance of doing that. So it's like I'm a little mixed, but I don't think that Oregon's good enough to beat Georgia. I don't think they can even beat Ohio State again if you if you, if you really know one other truth, even on a neutral term. So I'm a little conflicted on how I should feel about Oregon, but I. Do you know, your question is regarding where Utah. I like Utah. I like Utah's football. I like Utah's chance uh, of winning the thing. And once they take care of business, you know, this week against Arizona, I don't think they're going to have a problem. And then uh, it's going to be a tough challenge for them to beat Oregon twice. Um, but I think they're capable of doing it. Pac-12 Network analyst Lincoln Kennedy joining us. He's also a Raider radio analyst. And I am uh, curious what you thought of the loss to the Giants. Because right about the time, everybody thought, man, they're 5-2 and two, and they could beat the Giants 6-2. and two. Maybe these Raiders are, despite all the distractions off the field, these guys could really be good. And then what happened in the second half? Good grief. Well, well, I'm not surprised. The Raiders notoriously have trouble coming out of the bye for whatever reason it is. And, you know, to be honest, it was Derek Carr's worst game, in my opinion, and the least accurate that he's been. His accuracy has put them over the top in many games, most notably the Philadelphia game a couple weeks ago. But he was inaccurate for whatever reason this, this past weekend against the Giants, and they got to have that. Um, this is the, the Raiders are still a decent football team, in my opinion. I, I've said all along, I think they're going to be able to go to the playoffs. I think they're going to go deep in the playoffs, but I think they're going to be going, going to playoffs. But this is a classic case. Uh, you know, as my partner put it, Brent Musburger, any given Sunday, anybody can be beaten. And that's exactly what happened. I I played in those types of games. I had those games happen to me where we walk off the field like, do we just lose to them? <laughs> um, and, and, then, and, 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 and see it go around. But it happens. It happens. You got to keep remembering. On, and I tell people all the time, hey, those guys on the other side of the ball get paid, too. So, so they're out there fighting hard, too. But it was, it was a, a miserable performance going back east. Um, and I'm hoping that they can rebound, you know, Sunday night against the Chiefs because this this game has carries a lot much more weight than the Giants did. 
Oh, it certainly does, yeah. As I looked at the numbers to prepare to talk to you, I've seen that the Raiders are really good at pass plays above 20, above 30 yards, and the Chiefs mm-hmm. defensively in those categories stink. So mm-hmm. uh, now they've had some issues, the Raiders obviously with receivers, um, and I don't know if they got enough power outside of the tight end and Renthro, but do you think they would have be able to have success in the aerial attack, getting the ball downfield. The numbers say that they should. Yes, they, they will. And and I think that, like I said a moment ago, when uh, when Derek played against the, the Raiders played against the Eagles, his accuracy put them over the top. And they had a number of guys, I think, for big plays, 20-plus yards. I'm not sure of the exact number right in front of me. But um, he hit a number of guys. And they had some times where, uh, you know, in this Giants game where they had it. The Giants, I mean, honestly, the Giants, the way they played defense, they weren't going to allow a lot of big plays. And there were a couple of throws. There was a wide open um, Darren Waller on a, on a sluggle route that they, he could have hit for a touchdown, but he missed him uh, and a couple other times. But that being said, the Chiefs defense has been porous at, at best. Um, the last year, the second time when they, the Chiefs played the Raiders, uh, in, in Allegiant Stadium, they had a plan on how to shut down the Raiders, and they gated a lot of the offensive things that the Raiders did. But since John Gruden is no longer calling plays, and it's been a little bit of a changeup, there's a little there, there's a little bit more of a challenge for the Chiefs to come in and slow down the Raiders. The thing is, is when you're playing the Chiefs, you got to remember you got to score touchdowns. So you don't don't settle for field goals. You got to score touchdowns, and I expect the Raiders to be aggressive. So what kind of impact do you expect Deshaun Jackson to have, and how quickly do you think Deshaun Jackson can have an impact? Minimal. I think, and when I, what I mean by this, minimum to start with, I think the big playability is going to be out there having him on the football field, seeing how the defense is going to address, uh, adjust him. But in all honesty, I think that you're probably going to get about six featured, six, seven featured plays to him in this game plan, um, if that. Um, the, 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 the good thing is, is that the terminology is very similar for what he did at the Rams to what the Raiders do. So very similar. And, and, and so it'll be, able, it'll, won't be as big of a, a learning curve. But if you say on offense, you, know, you average and get about 65, 70 plays a game, I think there will probably be five, six where Deshaun Jackson is featured, where they honestly try to get the ball to him. I don't know if Kansas City is going to adjust to it or how they're going to adjust to it, but I, I think that's going to be the, 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 the number. Is there a little bit of an issue with Raiders scouting and not doing due diligence on the character of guys? Not necessarily. I think that when you talk about the Damon Arnett situation, um, because the Raiders had faith in the coaching staff at Ohio State, they trusted the words from the coaches that that, that Damon would turn around or you could probably get through to him um, and, and make him a you know, better person. It's one of those misses. You know, you guys, you know, the, 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 the draft is such a crapshoot. I mean, they do their homework. Don't get me wrong. They do their homework, and they have assets, the, uh, the resources to, to, to go around. I mean, they've got, you know, police force, FBI, and all that stuff. It's big money. It's a big project. So, but there are times where some guys just slip through the crack, and you take a chance on them. And unfortunately, they took a chance on Damon Arnett, and it didn't pan out. I know the NFL likes parity, but <clears throat> all the teams stacked up at five and three and five and four. I think it's like eleven teams. That that seems crazy. Are there any <laughs> of those teams that you believe in more than another that you think can break out of this in the AFC? Because obviously the Titans and Ravens seven and two and six and two are really good. The Jets, the Dolphins, uh, the Jaguars, and the Texans are all on one or two wins. Everybody else. Looks like they're mediocre, but maybe they're about to take off in the second half of the season. 
Don't you just love the parody guys? I mean, <laughs> it, it makes our job a lot harder because it's, it's less predictable. You don't have those standouts that you. I mean, you look even for what it's worth. The Titans and the Ravens look vulnerable, you know. And 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 would it be surprising? Well, I guess it would be surprising if the Ravens lose to the Dolphins, especially when they don't have Tua. But you know, things like that have happened before. So I like the parody, and I like the sort of you know the the cluster, if you will, uh, of seeing things mixed up. I you know right right now I I, I stand by the old saying that a coach once told me that teams that win in November, December, play in January. So whoever decides to rise to themselves to the second level, you know the 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 Titans really showed me something without Derrick Henry. They put a they put a stomping down on the Rams. I thought that was a good sign, but at the same point, you still got to continue it. You can't just get up for one game and and then be down for the others. And, I, and I, I'll see who's for real in in sort of the months to come. But you know, there are a lot of strong teams. There are a lot of teams that can surprise people. Like I said, with the Raiders, um, I think the Raiders are a playoff bound team. I'm not saying they're going to go deep in the playoffs, but I think they're a playoff bound team. And now that they have a defense that can slow people down. Um, they can compete with anybody, in my opinion. But I, I still don't think they're a Super Bowl championship team. Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst, LK with DJ and PK. Thanks a lot, Lincoln. We'll talk to you again next week. Sounds good, guys. Be well. I'll talk to you later. Coming up, Riley Jensen, our college football insider, is going to join us in about 20 minutes right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.